The History Channel Original Podcast. Sports History This Week, October 24th, 1992. I'm Kalen Jones. It's Game 6, bottom of the 11th inning in the World Series. The Atlanta Braves and Toronto Blue Jays have been battling for more than four hours. The Atlanta Fulton County Stadium is packed, and the crowd is electric. This whole series has been vintage baseball. Homers, great pitching, two evenly matched teams. If the Jays can pull out a victory here, it'll be their first World Series win in franchise history. Not just that, but Canada's first ever major sports league championship outside of the National Hockey League. The Blue Jays lead four runs to three. They just need three more outs to get a win. The Braves batter steps up and... Line to left. Here we go again. Not good. The next batter smacks a pitch down the middle. The Jays are starting to fold under pressure. Now, two are aboard. It was a perfect double play ball. Suddenly... Things look less certain. The winning run steps up the bat. A homer would force a winner-take-all game seven. A bunt leads to the Braves' first out. An infield bouncer creates the second. Just one more to go. The Blue Jays' manager calls on a second-year reliever to make the out. Mike Timlin saved only one game this year. He has only four major league saves. Now he's on to save the biggest win in Toronto Blue Jay history. So, can you pull it off? Today, the Toronto Blue Jays have a chance to clinch their first ever championship. Since the franchise began, the Jays have faced hurdle after hurdle to winning it all. So can they get it done? And to a nation defined by hockey, what would a baseball championship really mean? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The story of this championship begins not that long in the past. The Blue Jays franchise was born just 45 years ago in 1977. The year Star Wars sweeps the nation in theaters. Before the Jays, out of Major League Baseball's 24 teams, the only Canadian squad is the Montreal Expos. Frank Condren remembers baseball was still a peripheral game. That is, until Toronto got a team of its own. When the Jays came in 77, then it kind of exploded here. Condren is hooked, too. He's been a fan ever since. Sort of just the excitement of being in the major leagues and the, and the novelty of it and having something interesting to do in the summertime when there was no hockey. People lived with it. Back then, he goes to Exhibition Stadium, located right on Lake Ontario. 
It doesn't have a roof, so come October, conditions are cold and windy. In some parts of the field, there aren't even chairs to sit in, just bleachers. It's fun for Condren, even if his team is terrible. They finished last in the American League East for the first five years they were in the league. It was kind of like a slow build out of being an expansion team, struggling and fishing in last place. This is Adrian Fung, another lifelong Blue Jays fan. He edited a book about the 1992 team. The Blue Jays' ascent from bottom feeders to legitimate contender is often credited to the guy who built the franchise's early rosters, general manager Pat Gillick. We knew that if, if there was a an opportunity to acquire a, a free agent, the general manager of those teams, Pat Gillick, who's also in the Hall of Fame, he would do whatever he could to get them. So we went to Gillick himself to learn just how he molded an expansion squad into a winner. The first meeting that we had with the owners, I told them it'd be 10 years before that we'd be competitive. Pat Gillick, a straight-shooting, well-informed man, joins the Blue Jays' front office when they become an official Major League team and takes over as general manager in 1977. Gillick has a vision of what this team could be. I grew up in Los Angeles, and I always admired the Dodgers, and so I, we wanted to build a team that was, it hopefully could be similar to what the Dodgers put on the field. They're good pitching, good defense. Building a winner doesn't happen overnight. The Blue Jays collect their first round of players in something called an expansion draft in 1976, where they select certain players from existing rosters. While they get a few nice pieces, the Blue Jays roster would turn over quickly in the coming years. It's difficult to attract any established stars to Toronto because, well, compared to most baseball cities, there's a perception it's in the middle of nowhere. When you say Canada, they think you're 200 miles or 300 miles north of the border. So it was tough getting the people to leave and, and join an expansion club. It took a little longer than we figured to be a world champion. Slowly but surely, though, the Blue Jays do improve. Here's Frank Condren. They finished last, and then they finally finished, like, second to last. And then the year after that, they moved up a little bit more. Gillick, the general manager, has a few tricks up his sleeve. For instance, he's quick to scout amateur Canadian baseball players. Before 1985, Canadians weren't allowed in the MLB draft, giving the Blue Jays the chance to sign local players directly with little competition. The Jays also scout in the Dominican Republic, which isn't the hotbed of Major League Baseball talent that it is today. The team finds several players there, like George Bell, a power-hitting outfielder with a great eye. By 1985, Bell, alongside all-timers like Jesse Barfield and Dave Steeb, helped Toronto clinch the best record in the entire league with 99 wins in the regular season. As they move into the playoffs, they think this could be the year. Pat Gillick has successfully led the Blue Jays to their first ever postseason. They go up three games to one against the Kansas City Royals in the American League Championship Series. One win away from reaching the World Series. And then Kansas City came back and beat them three straight. And they lost the pennant to Kansas City. It was just disbelief in Toronto. And, and um, it, was, it was really hard to take. The next season, 86, they didn't make the playoffs. But 87, they looked even stronger. That was when they started developing the reputation for being chokers. Jokers, meaning unable to deliver when the pressure is on. At the end of that season, 
they blew a three and a half game lead to the Detroit Tigers. I just remember being in third grade and just just feeling shocked that that we weren't going to be in the postseason. <laughs> In 1989, the Blue Jays lose again in the first round of the playoffs. But while Toronto may have come up short, by the 90s, they have the promising core of a strong team. They have established players like Pat Borders, a clutch hitter and one of the best throwing catchers in the league, Jimmy Key, a reliable starting pitcher, and Kelly Gruber, a fast, tough third baseman. They really built through, I think, trades and really effective drafting. Sometimes they would make waiver claims from other teams of players that other teams might not have thought were significant. Ahead of the 1991 season, the Blue Jays navigate one of the most pivotal off-seasons in franchise history. Gillick knows he wants a strong right-handed hitter. He has his eyes on the Padres star outfielder Joe Carter, known for his ability to slug. But the Padres general manager wanted to put another player in the deal a young infielder named Roberto Alomar. He's a reliable hitter, but he hasn't developed a long ball. For the Blue Jays to get them both, they would have to give up their own pair of veteran and promising young players. It took probably a day for us to kind of digest that and and say, yeah, it's the right thing to do because we need a right-hand hitter and we're getting a second baseman that's uh, that's very versatile and could develop into an outstanding player, which he did in, in Roberto Alomar. So they pulled the trigger on the deal, and it pays off immediately. Both Carter and Alomar proved themselves in the 1991 season with both earning all-star nods. Carter even gets some MVP votes. That year, the Blue Jays are not only a top 10 slugging team, but arguably the best pitching team in the entire league. Toronto easily wins the American League East Division crown, but in the playoffs, they fall to the Twins in the ALCS. Again, people say they choke. The criticism is harsh, but it's true that they failed to advance to the World Series again. So in the offseason, it's clear the Jays have to make some moves. We thought at that time that maybe we're going to have to make an adjustment and make some changes in our way we were going. Before the 92 season, Gillick goes back to work. He looks to add even more pitching depth and succeeds in signing Jack Morris, the 1991 World Series MVP and a veteran pitcher known for tossing complete games. One day later, Pat Gillick pulls off another major deal, signing Dave Winfield, a perennial all-star and consummate veteran. Because the Blue Jays had a, a collection of, of great talent, great players, but I think Winfield, in my opinion, he was kind of the, kind of like the missing leader, the guy who would say, okay, just you know, get on my back. To Gillick, signing these players isn't just meaningful for the team's roster. It's a symbolic move, too. It really uh, told people that we meant business and we were in it to, to win and to win a championship. I think they went from young and frisky through the 80s to being a veteran team. Remember, the team easily won their division in 1991. And now with these additions, it's hard to doubt they could go all the way. It was just like, wow, you know, we have the star-studded lineup. No excuses in 1992. We got to get this done. The Jays opened the season against the Detroit Tigers and immediately looked like winners. Dave Winfield drives in the first run of the season, scoring Robbie Alomar, the previous year's acquisition. Toronto wins 4-2. Jack Morris pitches a complete game, 
nearly shutting out the Tigers. The Blue Jays' offseason moves are already paying off. I remember thinking, all right, you know, here we go. This is game one, and hopefully this is the, the start of something big. At the very beginning of the season, a catchphrase starts to spread around Toronto. It's also the title of Adrian Fung's book. We are, we can, we will, meaning we are the American League East division champions because they were already, they had already won it uh, before three times. And then the we can refer to, we can win the American League pennant. And then the we will part is we will win the World Series. The Blue Jays win their first six games, which they'd never done before. The city of Toronto is buying the hype. Every Blue Jays home game is packed, now based out of the canopied Sky Dome rather than Exhibition Stadium. By the end of the year, the Jays finished 96 and 66, first in their division. Now, they would face the Oakland Athletics in the ALCS. In 1992, the A's are a formidable opponent. They've gone to the World Series three out of the past five years. For the Blue Jays, Facing the A's feels personal. In 1989, they had dominated the Blue Jays in the ALCS before going on to win the World Series. I think Toronto fans welcomed it, and I, I'm pretty sure the players did too, because they wanted to make a statement. This time, Toronto handles Oakland, winning the series four games to two. And Canada will be represented in the 1992 World Series. Just like that, Pat Gillick and the Toronto Blue Jays have advanced farther than they've ever gone before. There was just, just a sense of definitely accomplishment just to have won the American League title. But I, I think going into the World Series, everyone wanted more. The players, obviously, plus the fans. Here we are in the, in the World Series. We still have one more step to go. The Blue Jays will face the Atlanta Braves, champions of the National League. It's a fearsome team as well, led by scoring master Terry Pendleton, along with baseball and football superstar Deion Sanders. The teams are considered evenly matched. Neither has ever won a World Series for their current cities. The broadcast begins and welcomes viewers to Game 1 of the 1992 World Series. For the very first time, we bring you a World Series where we fly the colors of two countries. And for now, thanks to the Toronto Blue Jays, Baseball is North America's pastime. Game one is underway. The first few innings go scoreless thanks to dominant pitching. In the fourth, Blue Jay slugger Joe Carter steps up for a big swing and knocks it out of the park. One nothing Blue Jays. Here's Adrian Funk. That was the first ever uh, World Series run, first ever World Series home run for, for a Canadian team. I thought, okay, this, this is it, because it, you figure the games are going to be low scoring. It's now the sixth inning. Jack Morris has shut out the Braves all game, but things are starting to go downhill. So all of a sudden, Jack Morris has walked five. Barry Hill with a deep drive to right. On the way to the wall, Winfield, forget about it. And Atlanta wins the ball game three to one. Adrian Fung says spirits are low. Everyone's saying, well, here we go again. Uh, Blue Jays are going to lose uh, in four straight, or the Blue Jays are going to lose it after paying all this big money for these players. I think there, there was some, uh, a lot of people held their breath after that first game. The second game of the World Series is a sellout crowd of 51,000 people. And it's chilly for Atlanta. Fans blow on their hands to warm up. 
Even though the game's in Atlanta, you can spot many in the crowd wearing merch reading 3 for 3 in 92. The U.S. Marine Corps flies both the American and Canadian flag, but the Canadian flag is upside down. The mistake causes quite the uproar in papers and amongst fans. Frank Condren remembers the moment. Canadians, we have really low expectations of Americans when it comes to, you know, being conscious of other countries and other people and their stuff. Pat Gillick says Game 2 was big for the Blue Jays. They're going back to Toronto next game, so they've got to tie up the series. I really feel that if we'd have gone back to Toronto 0-2, that would have been a, a pretty big hill to, to climb to get back into it. Game 2 should be another low-scoring affair. The Jays are bringing out their mid-year acquisition in pitcher David Cohn. He has his stuff together. One of the toughest pitchers in baseball to hit. The game goes back and forth. In the fourth inning, things look dire for the Jays, down 4-3. to three. But then, Ed Sprague knocks a homer. Here's Bob Elliott, who covered the Blue Jays for the Toronto Sun during the series. He hits a game-winning two-run homer. That was a big deal. I mean, they could have come back to Toronto down 2 nothing. I think that was a big turning point. Mark this night down, folks. Tonight, we are all making history together. It's the first World Series game ever played outside the United States. As the third World Series match begins, it feels different from the others. Frank Condren. It was the first time probably in the history of the country that in mid-October, everybody wasn't thinking of what color the tape was on the hockey player's stick. Blue Jays starter Juan Guzman steps onto the mound facing the first in the Braves lineup. He holds his blue glove to his chest, then pulls up his knee, rears back, and launches the first ever World Series pitch thrown on Canadian soil. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Game three of the 1992 World Series starts slow. Thanks to strong pitching, the Blue Jays' Juan Guzman is tossing a gem. In the top of the fourth, Braves outfielder David Justice comes to the plate with two on base, and he nearly smacks a home run. But Toronto outfielder Devon White makes a legendary catch. Devon White, it's hit deep. He's still running back at the wall, jumps and picks it off the wall. Sanders. There's a throw to first, the runner is out, the throw to third, they have a chance for a triple play. 
the triple play doesn't happen, but the Braves don't score that inning. And the Devon White catch goes down in history for Blue Jays fans. That's one of the greatest catches in baseball history. That's right up there with Willie Mays catching it over his shoulder. And he caught it on the run with his back to home plate, and he did a full face plant into the wall. By the ninth inning, each team has managed to scratch out two runs. The Braves have a chance to go ahead after a single in the center field. During the next at bat, on a two and two count, the runner attempts to steal second. It's a check swing, the throw, got him! They appeal down to first, double play, it's a strikeout as well. The Braves manager, Bobby Cox, is not happy with the call. Umpires tell the Atlanta dugout to cool off. What a night this has been. Bobby Cox apparently has been ejected. We're headed into the bottom of the ninth. The Jays just need one run to go a game up in the World Series on their home turf. The bases are quickly loaded as the Braves intentionally walk two, seeking to face the sixth batter in the Jays lineup, Candy Maldonado. But their strategy doesn't work. He's come into a very difficult spot. And Maldonado takes an 0-2 pitch to deep center to win the ball game. Toronto takes game three, three to two. The Blue Jays now lead the Braves in the World Series. Toronto's Jimmy Key is on the mound for Game 4. He holds the Braves to just one run, allowing the Blue Jays to get another W. Game 5. We're still in Toronto. This could be the final game of the World Series if the Jays can win. They're up three games to one. It's been nothing but dominant pitching in close games so far. Well, Canada is preparing to pop the cork on a celebration that's been bottled up for over a decade and a half. With their Blue Jays perched a game away from the World Series title. Jack Morris will pitch for the Jays. The former World Series MVP gets off to a rough start, giving up a run in the very first inning. In the fourth, he gives up another. The vibes are off in Toronto. Even though the Jays have the series lead, the 87 ALCS is on everyone's mind. Now they're up 3-1, right? And what do Toronto fans start thinking of right away? Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> the vibes remain a bit off when Bob Elliott hears details of a victory parade are coming out of the Toronto mayor's office before the Jays have won anything. That's like, that's the worst thing ever. That's like putting the bats away in the seventh inning, right? Jack Morris is already having a rough time against the Braves. But in the fifth inning, it just gets worse. A fastball away, and he takes it away and away and away. Morris gives up a grand slam. The game ends 7-2 Braves. So that set it up for uh, game six back in Atlanta. It's a beautiful night in Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. Nearly 70 degrees. The scenario is just about the same as it was for Game 5. The Blue Jays still one win away from their first world championship, and Atlanta still in a do-or-die situation. Adrian Fung is just 13 years old when this game is on. He's sitting at home in his parents' basement. Just like clenching my fists and, and just hoping um, that they would come through because um, they still had two more chances because they still had a three games to two lead. The game gets off to a fast start, when the leadoff batter in Blue Jays' Devon White makes it the first. He quickly steals second and then scores 
as Joe Carter hits a sacrifice fly. It's the only run for three innings before Braves' Terry Pendleton brings Deion Sanders home on a sack fly, tying the game up 1-1. Just when things feel tense, Toronto's Candy Maldonado allows the entire nation of Canada a sigh of relief when he smacks a home run deep to left field in the fourth inning. They're up 2-1. But over the next few innings, the Jays fail to score any insurance runs. The Blue Jays squander another chance. They leave two men on base. They've stranded 10. In the bottom of the ninth, the Braves get a man on base. A sack bunt moves in the second. Two men are on as the famously quick Otis Nixon steps to the plate. Players in the Atlanta dugout lean on their elbows, praying. With the Blue Jays one strike away from the world championship. And then... Slap to the left side, the Atlanta crowd goes wild. Brave shortstop Jeff Blauser scores, tying the game up. And it was like, oh my God, here we go again. We had the windows open. You could hear the whole neighborhood just groaning. It just kind of raised the, the bad memories of the past that, you know, is, is this meant to be? Are they going to choke again? The game moves to extras. Both teams go scoreless in the 10th. The Blue Jays are up first in the 11th. Devon White gets on base after he's hit by a pitch. Roberto Alomar singles the first. There are two outs as Dave Winfield steps to the plate. But he had really struggled in the postseason in the World Series. He came up with two outs, and then he had what he, I think he later called it, the biggest hit of his career. This is the first extra base hit of the World Series ever for Dave Winfield. Boy, did he save the right time to get it. Toronto up by two. All the Jays have to do now is keep the Braves from scoring. They're up 4-2. Atlanta's first batter reaches base, and quickly, he's at third. The next batter hits a ground ball that stopped, but it's enough to score. It's 4-3, to three, Toronto, and now the tying run is at third base. But then uh, Mike Timlin, the young, the young reliever, came in, and Otis Nixon comes up again. So <laughs> everyone's thinking, come on, I mean, this, this can't be real. Nixon bunts. And so Timlin was ready for it. Timlin throws it to Joe Carter at first to record the third and final out. Canadian comedian Pat McDonald, a lifelong fan of the Blue Jays, remembers watching Joe Carter catch that final out on first base and leap with joy afterwards. It was like somebody put an airbag from a car underneath first base, and he stepped on it and flew like halfway to the moon the way that guy was jumping around and see the pure joy. My brother and I were doing the same thing. It takes, you know, maybe five seconds for, uh, for it to sink in. You know, we, we just won the World Series. The Blue Jays won the 1992 World Series. I, I remember just, just sitting in my, my chair motionless, like, wow, like, we finally did it. The next day, tens of thousands of fans pour into Toronto streets, hoping to get a glimpse of the team. They wave Canadian flags and signs reading, thank you, Blue Jays. Jimmy Key, Tom Hankey, Dave Winfield, and the rest of the team smile at onlookers. To Frank Condren, Adrian Fung, Pat McDonald, and so many other lifelong fans, the victory is a relief. It's proof to the world that their Blue Jays aren't chokers. It was a huge deal in Toronto, because that was the first time we'd won anything of note since 1967, right? So there was there's a lot of pent-up, you know, desire. McDonald recalls the heartbreak of watching his team get close year after year and coming up short. And then you finally get there and it's like, wow, that is, that's really special and new, unique. And 
I should really cherish this and enjoy it because who knows when I'm going to see it again. Maybe Canadians don't want to admit it, but there's like a slight inferiority complex when it comes to comparing our, our sports or, or, or culture with the U.S. And I think just to be able to say for, for Canadian sports fans that, you know, we, we are one of our teams beat an American team at America's pastime. I think it was a great sense of accomplishment, a great sense of satisfaction. Pat Gillick would once again steward the Blue Jays to their second World Series just a year later. But he says 92 remains special. You know, the first one I think so is it's always the best. As I say, it was a long road over 15 years and to get there and, and, and win it. When considering how close the games were, plus its historical significance, the Blue Jays' 92 victory ranks among the most thrilling MLB championships ever. I've probably watched over probably about 40 World Series in my lifetime, so definitely top five. By the time this comes out, the World Series will, I, I mean, it, it won't be over, but it'll be late October. You know, where, in your opinion, where will the Blue Jays be and what still needs to happen for them moving forward? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Yeah, the, <laughs> <laughs> my heart wants to say that the, the Blue Jays will be in the World Series, um, but... I think their pitching is probably just a shade below teams like Houston. So I would say this year I can I can see them maybe winning the first round, the, the wild card series. But if they do run into to Houston, uh, I would have to say on paper, Houston is the is the better team. The Blue Jays did not make it out of the first round of this year's 2022 playoffs. But as we learned from the 80s, sometimes it takes a few tries to get to the top of the mountain. Thanks for listening to Sports History This Week. For moments throughout history that are also worth watching, check your local TV listings to find out what's on the History Channel today. Other notable sports stories that happened this week? 1857. Sheffield FC is founded in England. It's considered the oldest existing club still playing football in the world. And 1986. The New York Mets win the World Series for their second time. If you want to get in touch, please shoot us an email at our email address, sportspod at history.com. We'd love to hear from our fans and non-fans too. Special thanks to our guests, Frank Condren, lifelong Blue Jays fan, Adrian Fung, author of the book, We Are, We Can, We Will, the 1992 world champion Toronto Blue Jays, Pat Gillick, former general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, Pat McDonald, comedian and lifelong Blue Jays fan, and Bob Elliott, longtime Blue Jays writer for the Toronto Sun. This episode was produced by Cooper McKim, story edited by me, Kalen Jones, and sound designed by the Podglomerate. Sports History This Week is also produced by David Ingber. Our associate producers are Emma Fredericks and Hazel May. Our senior producer is Ben Dickstein. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn, and our executive producer is Jesse Katz. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Sports History This Week wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next week. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.